Welcome back to the God Story podcast, bringing us back to the gospel and the word of God. I'm joined once again by the Reverend Ian Reid, Rido of King's Grace Presbyterian Church, Palmerston North. Welcome back, Ian. Thank you. How are you, Brent? I'm fine, thank you. Yourself? Going all right. It's a bit chilly here in Palmerston North, but... Yeah, I think it's in Whanganui, it was supposed to be about... Uh, Whanganui. It was supposed to be about 13 degrees today. So, there we go. Anyway, today we're back in the book of Hebrews. Ian, why is it important for us in the church to go back to the gospel or remind ourselves of the gospel and the word of God? Well, if you're anything like me, if I'm if it, if I'm not constantly brought, brought back to something and reminded, then I keep forgetting it. And I have this thing: if someone tells me something, if I don't write it down straight away, it's forgotten. Kind of straight, you know, kind of. Uh, and if someone asks me something to do, if I don't write it down, it's uh, forgotten. But it's the same. It's the same with the gospel. That if we don't keep coming back to it, we just tend towards it where our hearts want to go, which is towards ourselves and not towards God. Mm-hmm. What did we discover in Hebrews chapter two last week? So, uh, in the, in, we've been looking at how Jesus is greater, uh, and in particular, last week, we talked a little bit about uh, falling away. That's one of the big things that, that kind of gets picked up there, but that we don't need to be worried about that, that Jesus is uh, kind of holding us firm, that he has brought us to salvation, and as we saw at the, at the end of uh, Hebrews 2, that he is our high priest. Mm, that wonderful ch- uh, verse about the, Jesus, our our. Uh, high priest, and, and what did we? And, and why is the author of Hebrews comparing Jesus with all these figures from the, the Old Testament, like the high priest? I think he's addressing a community. Uh, the the author of the book is addressing a community that is trying to work out who Jesus is, and it's probably a Jewish community who have these are the, the important things for them, and particularly we're being told why Jesus is greater than those things so that they can trust in Jesus and not those other things. Mm. So they were falling into a legalism or a works-based faith? I think that they were trying to, they're still working out who Jesus is, but definitely that they need to be convinced that for their salvation they can see that Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. He doesn't just scrap those things, but he actually fulfills them. Mm. Well, today in uh, Hebrews 3, we'll see that Jesus is greater than Moses and that, in fact, he's the true Moses, the fulfillment of what Moses did. So, Ian, how in, in verse 1, how is verse 1 the key to the rest of the chapter and possibly to the book of Hebrews? Well, it's such a... Do you want me to read it? Yeah, read it for us. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. It was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. That word consider Jesus, it's such a... Mm, Wonderful, isn't it? Like I said earlier, um, there is... uh, the verbs in Hebrews are really important. That word consider, I think in the NIV it says fix your eyes on Jesus, that idea that you set your eye on something and you just keep working towards it. I don't know if you've done any board sports. I like I like snowboarding. And it's the same with riding a bike. When I was very young. Oh, okay. You're not that young anymore? No, I'm now 55 or 54. Oh, no. <laughs> I apologise for... Uh, but you know, when you when you when you look at something, when you're doing sport, you tend towards that thing. Uh, when you snowboard, that's what you do. You you kind of look from side to side to where you, where you want to go, and that's where you head. Is there a lot of snowboarding done in Australia, by the way? Yes, surprisingly. Well, I wouldn't have thought there was that much snow in Australia. There there, there are some high points. Okay. There's some low points too in Australia. Um, I'm not going there. <laughs> 
I loved Australia. I lived in Sydney for a year. I loved it. That's Beautiful what? city. Is that one of the low points? Or is no, it was one of the high points of my life. Okay. I absolutely loved Sydney. And, um, yeah. Anyway, how is Jesus compared to Moses here? Well, we have this, there's this kind of picture that we have of a house and that the way that Moses is described is as a servant in the house and that Jesus is a, the son over the house, that there's quite a, a distinction made between the two. But we have this house, it's, it's the house of God, the people of God, uh, and that Moses serves in the house, but here we have someone greater than that coming. Mm. So uh, looking at verses 1 to 6, how is Jesus presented as greater than Moses in these first six verses? Well, if we looked at verse 3, let me read that little bit. It says, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honour than the house itself. You kind of, here's the one, not only is the the kind of, the one that has made the, he's the one that has made the house, but, but more than that, he, it, it's, it's his glory that kind of the house is. It's kind of it points to how great he is, this thing that he's built. Mm. Uh, so, how has Jesus fulfilled what Moses began? Well, what was Moses' job? It was to communicate who God was. It's to mediate between God and man. But he does that imperfectly. Uh, and but Jesus comes and does that perfectly. He he is the perfect representation of who God is. Moses is a good leader. He's not a he's a faithful leader. Uh, but he dies, and that's kind of the the sad thing when you get to the end of Deuteronomy is that Moses standing on the edge of the promised land. He's not allowed to go in, mm. uh, but he dies outside of God's rest. Uh, and then Joshua takes on the the leadership, but then after that, it, it all kind of falls apart. Joshua was a good leader too, but Moses dies and. And Joshua takes over, that leadership is good, but then there's bad leadership. And it's just kind of, but here we have, have Jesus who's a great, not only a great leader, he's a great son uh, and an eternal son. Mm. How, how are we Jesus' house then? Did you answer that? I'm not quite sure whether you dealt with that. Verse 6. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know specifically how we are Jesus' house, but it's you know that, that idea of being a temple or a house or something built together uh, and... It pops up all through the Bible, but that this is the thing that God is doing through all of creation. He is bringing people together in worship of 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 God of Himself, and so that's quite a an interesting uh, kind of picture that we get. And it is just a picture, an illustration of of something that's true that we're being built into something together. Mm. How does the author warn these Christians about the danger of going back to Moses and of going back to the law? Which verse are we? Are you? Uh, I'm looking at <laughs> verses. I'm looking at verse six there. I think especially. Oh, yep. We've got to hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Well, what happens if we go back to the well, disaster? Exactly, and this is the thing that keeps getting picked up on, or will be picked up on again, is that if we do go back, all there is is judgment, and that that, that kind of pops up in uh, chapter ten, but that. If this isn't true, if Jesus isn't the true son, well, then there's not much hope. Mm. Uh, we've got a, a long uh, quote here, verses 7 to 11. Uh, and how? what's the significance of this, Ian? Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, as I swore in my wrath, 
they shall not enter my rest. And verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away. He's putting the word on them, isn't he? Yep. Leading you to fall away from the living God. It's, what we call, it's called an exhortation, isn't mm, it? That, that mm. kind of exhorting them to do something, telling them to do something. But the, the quote there uh, that we have uh, kind of in, from 7 to 11 is, is from Deuteronomy. And it's, is that right? I haven't got it written down. I'm quite sure it's Deuteronomy. Yeah, but it's Moses it kind of standing on the edge of the promised land and saying, you need to go in. You, we, we, we've been in this position before. When we, we were in this position of fought before, you turned away from God and you, you didn't want to go into God's rest. You didn't want, want to take on, those, take on the promises that, that God had taken and you turned away from God. You were in this position again. Go in. To God's rest, mm. uh, and, and and that that idea of today, if you hear His voice, this is the day to go in. Mm. And how how does chapter three speak of rest then? Because this is a, a big thing, a theme in Hebrews, isn't it? This idea of rest, Sabbath. Yeah, and this is the one of the the big themes that runs through the whole Bible is, is rest, and it, it begins right at the beginning of the Bible, where God rested from His work, and that we participate. Uh, in his rest, uh, and that's the idea of re- of entering the promised land is re-entering that rest, that that God re-entering the Sabbath, kind of the the place where that's flowing of milk and honey, and but it never it didn't work out, kind of in the, in that time uh, because people were unfaithful, but Jesus is offering that rest again to us, and this is what God has always wanted to do. They were just small pictures of what was really happening uh, in the fulfilment of what Jesus was wanted to bring. Mm. How are we to encourage one another daily? Verse 13, how do we encourage one another daily? Well, we keep reminding each other of the gospel uh, and keep reminding each other of God's word and keep bringing, bringing us back to that. But it, it, it's interesting that it says we need to do it so often, isn't it? You kind of, it's not just... It's daily, it's every day. Not just kind of... You know, when you catch up on a Sunday, or you know, it's maybe not even that often, kind of anymore, is it? It's, but it's daily. This is how often we need it because it's a struggle to 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 not live the the way that my heart wants to live, uh, and live the way that God wants me to live. Mm. Well, uh, what are some of the things that we, we've started to talk? I mean, we set out in this God Story podcast to deal with issues that we think uh, uh, we're struggling with in, in New Zealand and maybe in in the churches. But what are some of the things that can turn us away from Jesus in our modern culture? Yeah, I think it's when we, when we think about that, it's about asking the question, what are the things that make me feel whole as a, as a human being? Uh, is it success in my career? Uh, is it a specific relationship, being loved in that relationship? There are a whole bunch of different things, not necessarily... A, uh, husband-wife relationship can be even with children that that my children love me or they're well behaved or whatever it is that what what is what is making me feel whole in those things that that's where my heart will turn that's where I'll try and find fulfillment apart from knowing Jesus mm. and how does how does Hebrews 3 help the church deal with this problem of legalism which has been which has cropped up all the way along in Hebrews well, it's pushing us again. It's pushing us away from the law in, in this kind of... This is not something that, that we necessarily struggle with, uh, but it's pushing us to Jesus again, that uh, we all form types of laws, don't we, in terms of if, I'm, if I 
do this or do that, then I'll be accepted or acceptable, uh, whether that's success kind of in a workplace or, or kind of in a family, then it's that, that really is a form of law and it's a form of legalism and a form of, it can be a form of righteousness. Uh, but again, who are we being pushed to? We're being pushed to Jesus. Mm. Uh, verse 14, uh, let's read it. Uh, verses 14 and 15, For we've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So there's perseverance again, yeah. um, Ian. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So how are we to hold firmly until the end then? Well, we just have that, that exhortation just before that about um, meeting regularly or you know, kind of re- being reminded all of the, all of the time, uh, but that idea of you know holding our original confidence firm to the end. You know, what was that original confidence that they had? It was that Jesus is Lord, uh, that He has taken them all the way in, and it's just being reminded of that all the time, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so verses fifteen to nineteen, which are the last bit of the chapter, yeah. uh, as it is said today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Mm. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? That people were saved from slavery, but didn't enter into God's rest. You have this quite interesting idea here uh, that people are saved from something for something, but they don't enter in. Now, it's a warning sign to us that you that we can stand on the edge of God's promises uh, and not actually go all the way in. It's not saying that you can be saved from sin and not enter God's kind of kingdom or his rest, but it's saying it's kind of as a warning to us, an, an illustration of the possibility of seeing the rest, of knowing that that it is offered to you, but not actually going in and accepting it. Mm. So how then, coming to the conclusion, how can we be confident that God will keep us to the end? And this comes back to our discussion last time about uh, biblical Calvinism and perseverance and justification and all that sort of stuff. Well, we we can be confident because it has been done. These are all illustrations of something pointing forward to something else. And that thing that's been pointed forward to is Jesus himself, that he has has died, he has been resurrected, and he has ascended. Uh, And there is no need to worry about our salvation because he stands, as we're going to find out pretty soon in the next few chapters, he stands as our high priest advocating for us, interceding for us uh, constantly. Mm. And so, summing up uh, Hebrews chapter three, how does it how does it add to the argument of the, of the book so far? Well, we're slowly we're slowly progressing through this idea uh, of slowly being chipped away at our at particularly the people that have been spoken to here of all of the possible reasons why they wouldn't trust in Jesus. So we wouldn't maybe wouldn't trust in Jesus because angels are better. Maybe we wouldn't trust in Jesus uh, because. That he is unable to deal with our sin, maybe in chapter 2 and chapter 3, maybe Moses and the law is better. Uh, so that all of these kind of arguments are slowly being chipped away at. Mm-hmm. Did we deal with justification? I don't think we mentioned justification last time in it's the last podcast. Word, so, so we better deal with justification because this is part of the whole discussion. 
Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Brent, for that. But just, just okay, another one of those big words, isn't it, that we often talk about? And the simple way that that is often uh, referred to, it's kind of a legal term, is just if I didn't sin, you've been justified. Um, I mean, it's a little bit of a, a children's definition, but I think it can be a helpful way of explaining it, but just just as if I didn't sin. But it is a, it's a legal idea. Uh, justification. It's and it's not that you have been pronounced uh, kind of not guilty. It's that you've been pronounced innocent. This is the the strange thing that that we get in scripture is that Jesus' innocence gets transferred onto us, mm. and He takes our guilt mm. onto Him. So it's more than just kind of being being pronounced not guilty. Which not guilty doesn't mean that you aren't guilty. It just means that you you haven't been found guilty, uh, but in what justification is talking about is that you are innocent, and which make, which means that you can be declared holy as well. Mm. And and that act of justification is a once-off legal declaration by God, if we can if we can put it like that. Which means that we don't have to uh, we don't have to, we have to persevere. But uh, if we sin, we can come back under grace. Mm. And, yep. and it's not once-off, as in. I'm saved, and then if I sin from no, then on, no, you kind of, no. I, I've, I've, oh no, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, which is what many people in the early church believed. They they believed, and from Hebrews, they actually some people argued that you could sin once, maybe twice, but after that, that was it. You had there was, you you lost your justification. Yes, and so people didn't get baptized until their deathbed. And Constantine, I think, is Emperor Constantine was one of these people because they felt like if they had sinned after baptism, there was no grounds for coming back to Jesus. That's a very interesting distortion of the gospel. Well, this <laughs> is what we do as humans, isn't it? <laughs> kind of, we find ways of of trying to add on to our salvation, trying to find ways of. It's, it's almost like an anti legalism. You know, you yeah. kind of you're trying to get back to saying. How can I be discounted from God's grace? It's, and it's not necessarily... Um, it's a problem with our understanding of who God is. Deep down, I think that that's the issue. It's, can is God really like this? Is God really this gracious? Is he really that loving? Yes, he is. This is the, the crazy thing that when you dive deeply into who God is, you have to say yes, but we always feel like we need to bring something to the, to the kind of... Don't we? To the table. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I think it's funny when you when we in, you invite people around for dinner or something like that, and you say, you know, kind of just come along. People, you have to bring something, don't you? You kind of, it's just our very nature. We all, we want to bring something. And, and it's the same with God. You kind of, no, God can't really just accept us. He has to have, we have to bring something to him. And we often do that in negative ways in terms of saying, well, he can't love me if I've, if I've done this or done that. Yeah, and so and so justification is God, as it were, banging the gavel down in his in his courtroom and saying, "You are declared righteous. My son has paid for you. His righteousness is imputed to you. You are free to go. You are innocent." Yes. Yeah, and it, it's it's mind blowing, isn't it? It is, but it's one of those things again where we've kind of strayed away from thinking about doctrine. We've strayed away because it's it's a bit too hard, or it's a bit too. I don't. I'm not sure why we kind of. As a culture, we just kind of feel like, oh, you know, we're not about that, are we? But, but, but we've lost something deep. And when we, when we do come back to those things, there's a real richness, there's a beauty in understanding who God is uh, and who we are, who we've been made into. 
Well, if we understand justification rightly, then the, the, the stress is off us, as it were, in one sense, not in another, but in one sense. We can't lose our salvation, and he keeps us to the end, which is the, the theme of Hebrews, really, isn't it? Yeah, one theme of Hebrews. One, yeah, definitely. It's, it's one of the key kind of things. It's a theme. I mean, that is the gospel, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. That, that it's God's grace. It's not us. Uh, and we need to be constantly convinced of that. I need to be constantly convinced of that. And I find all types of ways of adding in things that, that I shouldn't add in. And I just need to keep constantly being drawn back to that. Mm. So um, let's uh, talk for a moment to, and just as we close this week's, um, or this, this episode of God's Story, uh, Let's uh, talk to people who may be feeling uh, that they have fallen away from God's grace, that they can never go back, that they've done bad stuff. Uh, they may have given their lives to Jesus when they were young, but uh, they've, you know, they've wandered off. Uh, how does justification help, help someone like that? Well, it's about understanding, kind of coming back and not only you know, kind of the, the understanding our heads of what God has done, but kind of seeing that what his heart is really like. Uh, and if his heart is really like that, then we can kind of start to throw out some of those uh, th- reasons why we think that we're not justified. Uh, and that's the problem, isn't it? It's, it's that we think we're not justified, but understanding from God's perspective that actually we are justified. And we, we constantly battle with that. All of us battle with that. Uh, but... I think for some of us, we maybe our consciences have been either pressed on by different different people in terms of saying maybe that you're not justified, or that we it springs up from within ourselves and saying clearly God couldn't love me. Uh, but come back, I would say come back and you know read God's God's word, uh, experience who He is, and see that He is a good God whose heart is for you, not against you. Mm. And, and that finally in closing, that justification is objective. It's outside of ourselves. It's something done by God for us and that our feelings are subjective and, and don't come into the equation in, in that sense. Yeah, that's, help, that's really helpful, isn't it, in yeah. terms of... Um, and, and I think that's, that's, the first, that's the first step, isn't it, that knowing that, that objective mm. declaration is the first step the second step is then being convinced that it's true, you know, kind of, which is the hard bit. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Ian, Reverend Ian Reed Rido from King's Grace Presbyterian in Palmerston. Thanks once again for uh, this uh, podcast. And uh, next time, uh, we hope to come on and talk to uh, Dr. Gary Williams from London, who is a theologian who has done a lot of work over the years on on the cross and on this very issue that we've been talking about, which is penal substitution. And uh, we hope next time to have Gary with us to really go over what, what Jesus did on the cross and, the, and also the history of this, this teaching because uh, it's being distorted in our churches. And um, some have even gone so far as to say, that Ian, I think that the cross is some kind of cosmic child abuse, which is some um, uh, fairly shocking concept. Well... At the heart of that is a misunderstanding of who Jesus is, really. Mm. Uh, and hopefully we'll get to cover that. Uh, and we will. Yeah, which, is, which I think is, is an important thing to talk about. Though kind of that misconception is, is an important one to kind of uh, deal with and for, for us to, to kind of unravel. Mm. Thank you. Yeah.